You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, man? Welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined, as always, by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and I also write and cover the Chargers for the LA Football Network, but we've been covering the Chargers together for over six seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly, and now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, we have a very special interview for you guys today. We're going to have a Gilbert Manzano from the OC Register on the show with us today to talk about Brandon Staley and that hiring and if it surprised him at all, as well as if it surprised him that Anthony Lynn got fired. And we also talked to him a little bit about his favorite moments with Phillip Rivers and just the crazy fact that the Chargers went from Phillip Rivers to Justin Herbert. And you could even throw Drew Brees in front of Phillip Rivers on that one, too. But we have to start with the big news that Phillip Rivers has retired from the NFL after 17 seasons. I know if you guys are listening to the show, Philip Rivers is probably one of your favorite players of all time. I know he's my favorite quarterback of all time. Me and David grew up watching him. So we're going to start there and pay a little tribute to Philip Rivers, even though he was last the Colts quarterback. He'll always be a Charger. And then I'll touch on a little bit the latest rumor revolving the Chargers and Brandon Staley's coaching staff with Jay Rogers from the Bears. We talked about it a little bit on last night's show. We don't know what position he's going to be in, but I will touch on that in the news part of the show. So let's go ahead and get into it. The biggest news for the Chargers that's actually Chargers related on Wednesday was the fact that the Chargers are going to bring in Bears defensive line coach Jay Rogers, who is really highly thought of. He's been the defensive line coach of the year in 2018 and has also you know coached a bunch of good players, whether it's Demarcus Ware, Elmas Duverville, as well as Akeem Hicks and many, many more. And we'll get into that more when we actually find out what position he is going to be coaching. He could be the defensive coordinator for the Chargers, so maybe we'll get a little bit more insight on that tomorrow. He was one of the top candidates to take over the Bears' defensive coordinator job, and Brandon Staley looks like he snuck in and took a really good coach, so we will get more into that. But today is about Phillip Rivers because Phillip Rivers, El Capitan, was the guy that was quarterbacking the Chargers not only you know when we started covering the Chargers six years ago, but also just pretty much my entire sports fandom of being, you know, and following the Chargers. And David, obviously, Philip Rivers had an excellent career. He put up a ton of record numbers. He's unquestionably the best quarterback in Chargers history. And I think he also had a very special tie with the people in San Diego as well. I mean, even leaking the report or giving the report, I should say, to Kevin Acey from the San Diego Union Tribune. I mean, he always had those ties. And I think just for so many people, like he was their quarterback. And obviously, it's a little bit sad to see him go as, you know, number 17, the guy we all grew up watching and just really an Ironman. But I do think he will be happy, you know, coaching high school football in Alabama, coaching his son. So it is kind of bittersweet, but it's just crazy to think that 17's hanging it up. It is. It's, it's kind of hard to watch because, you know, like many of you, Phil Rivers was somebody that I watched, somebody I cheered for somebody I yelled at from time to time, but someone I always appreciated because Philip Rivers was always unequivocally himself. He was always that fiery, very outgoing, just crazy competitor just every single day. You could tell he absolutely loves football. 
He lived and breathed it his entire life. It came from his family lineage. His dad was a coach. He he said his dream was to play quarterback. And, you know, they, they, they talk about the on Madden. They talk about when Philip Rivers was a kid. You know, they asked him what his, his goal in life was. And it was to be a quarterback in the NFL. And he actually found a quarterback and pasted his face on that project. So, and he made that happen. And not only did he make it happen, he will be in the Hall of Fame because of what he was able to do as a player with that trademark toughness, that trademark ability. He was just so fun to watch. And I mean, it's so symbolic on this day. 17 years in the league, he wore number 17. He did it on St. Michael's Day, which, you know, is something for him in his Catholic faith he held in very high regard. Um, it just, yeah, it's it's obviously a little emotional to watch Philip Rivers uh, hang it up. But we knew this day was going to come, Daniel. I just, I guess I just wasn't ready for it. Yeah, and I'm happy he got his other shot. I mean, I think that a lot of Chargers fans definitely followed him to Indianapolis, and the Indianapolis fans did not want Phillip Rivers, and I think he even left them impressed when things were all said and done. He definitely wasn't the reason that they ended up losing that playoff game, but I don't think there's going to be a debate on this show of whether or not Phillip Rivers will be a Hall of Famer. I mean, I do think he has the counting stats, and I think, you know, eight of his 15 seasons he made the Pro Bowl, so I think that tells you kind of how he was regarded as one of, you know, the top five quarterbacks in the league for most of his tenure with the Chargers and beyond. But, I mean, fifth in completions, fifth in passing touchdowns, fifth in passing yards ahead of, you know, guys he was drafted with like Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger. Also, talking about toughness, 240 consecutive regular season games, second longest streak behind only Brett Favre. And, I mean, even when you look past some of those things and just the other things like most fourth quarter comebacks, he ranks 10th in NFL history. Most yards per attempt, which I think is a very important stat for quarterbacks, ranks 10th in NFL history, 12th all-time in passer rating, right behind Peyton Manning. I mean, he just did it all statistically on the field, and I don't even think that's really why he should get in. I mean, I think one of the things that's overlooked a lot in this Hall of Fame debate is just Look at how much this guy meant to his franchise. I mean, we're talking about potentially the greatest Charger of all time, undoubtedly the greatest Chargers quarterback, and I do think you should earn something for that, for being so great for so long with one team. I mean, when you're talking about the best player in a franchise history, how does that guy not make the NFL? But how does that guy not make the Hall of Fame? But I And also, it's ahead. not the Hall of Champions, okay? That's one thing I... I can't stand that argument. Oh, he's never won a Super Bowl. He's never won a Super Bowl. It's not the Hall of Champions. It's the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and he was never the best quarterback in the league. He never won any MVP awards. But just the charisma in which he played the game, the passion in which he played the game, the fact that he refused to miss games. He also retired on the 13-year anniversary of playing an AFC Championship game with a torn ACL. So I think that's pretty symbolic just to show you how tough that guy was. And I know I probably don't have to tell a lot of you people that you all loved Phillip Rivers. But David, if there, is there a game or a moment that stands out to you in Phillip Rivers' career that really, I mean, embodies what you thought of him as a player? Besides all just the, the trash talk, which we just got to enjoy game after game, just him being himself, one game in particular I, I remember was against the Seattle Seahawks. And it was because mostly that all the pundits, all of the people, all the analysts thought that the Seahawks were going to run through the Chargers. Like it, they were it was the Legion of Boom time, too. Right. It was, you know, they, it was going to be easy. And then Phillip Rivers 
just shreds him with Antonio Gates. He, he, Antonio Gates catches three touchdown passes, and Phillip Rivers can't miss. Like, he's just absolutely on fire in that game. And that, that was just, it was peak Phillip Rivers. It was peak Antonio Gates. It Man, it was just so, so satisfying to watch him go out there and shut everybody up. Shut yep. the shut the whole world up with that type of per, type of performance. So I think to me, when I look back, uh, that game was pretty special, just because you know it was such a dominant victory over a great team. Yeah, that was the game where Percy Harvin, you know, stepped on the sideline. They didn't call it. The Chargers were coming off of a Week One loss against the Cardinals, where Keenan Allen ended up dropping a low pass from Philip Rivers on fourth down. The Chargers. You know, we're coming into a 0-1-1 at the time, and nobody really knew what to expect from them. I think my favorite moment, going back, I mean, just showing how you know long I've watched the Chargers, has to be the Denver Broncos game, him versus Jay Cutler, him on the sideline with Sean Phillips and some of those guys, and they're just waving goodbye. See you later. We'll be in the playoffs. You will not. And I thought that, you know, him versus Jay Cutler, that trash-talking matchup was great. And I love a lot of those things. I mean, so many different moments. I mean, him in the playoffs, getting the first down, doing the first down symbol, you know, after a little delay and having Keenan Allen freak out about it. I mean, so many good moments that you could go back and choose from. And I think that, I mean, he's just, he was such a great Also player. the soundbite king, too. I mean, Philip oh, yeah. Rivers on sound was pure gold. It was, it was appointment listening every single time. Man, he was so entertaining. One, I think it's crazy to see how many of you know his competitors have kind of reached out and said such kind words about him, especially because he's one of those guys where it's like if he's your quarterback, you love it. If he's not your quarterback, you hate it, right? You're like, stop crying to the refs, stop doing all this stuff, and it's like, but if you're, if you're man, a Chargers it's be fan, so annoying. Oh, so many guys were annoying. I mean, Von Miller even talked about like how when he first came in the lead, he hated Philip Rivers, and then really grew to respect him, just even with all the trash talk, in which. He didn't say a dadgum curse word in any of those clips or any of his time in the NFL. Shoot. And I think just to say that Philip Rivers loved football maybe potentially more than he loved having children, I think shows you the love of the game that he truly had. But, I mean, he was one of a kind. You're, we're going to miss those sound bites, the press conference. I mean, him and Justin Herbert couldn't be any different as far as what they're saying in the press conference. He was so genuine. He, I just left his heart out on the field and just seeing him lead those guys in the locker room, hearing all of the experiences that you hear from some of the great players from Chargers past about Phillip Rivers on this day was a special moment. And I think it was nice to be able to reflect on those things and take a moment to appreciate how good you had it. And I know it's so funny because I think about, you know, like, hey, guys, you know, appreciate this while you can. Like the Chargers aren't going to have Philip Rivers someday, and like then you're going to really miss what you had in Philip Rivers. And then, of course, Justin Herbert comes in and has the best rookie season potentially of all time. The Chargers' so. <laughs> luck with quarterbacks is just absolutely unheard of. And now, yeah. obviously, we we don't know if that's going to continue. We all hope, and we see the trajectory of Justin Herbert. But man, it's the craziest thing. Yeah, so, I mean, I I do take that back a little bit, but I don't think that we'll ever see another quarterback as genuine, as kind-hearted, as never having any sort of off-field issue or anything like that or having anyone say a bad word about him. We truly got to witness a very special player in Phillip Rivers, and yes, he never got the Super Bowl that we all wanted, and maybe he's the second-best quarterback to ever not get a Super Bowl behind Dan Marino, but what we got was so much more to that in so in so many ways. I mean, you tuned in to see Phillip Rivers' theatrics. You tuned in to watch Phillip Rivers week after week laid out on the field and I mean just the thinking of the press conference where he's saying hey you know I don't care that it says two interceptions next to my name 
I can go into that locker room and they know I just did every single thing I could to try to come out of there with the victory. And I think that's why his teammates loved him and respected him so much. And I do think that's part of the reason he was such a special player. But we'll ask Gilbert Manzano about his favorite Phillip Rivers memories and just how crazy it is that they went from Rivers to Justin Herbert before wrapping up the show by talking with him about Brandon Staley and much more with his coaching staff and all of that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that one of the most frustrating things in the world for me is when something goes wrong with my car because usually I don't even know what it is and even when I find out what's wrong with it I don't know where to get the part I don't know how much I should be paying for the part and I can change all of that for you guys with rockauto.com because not only do you not have to walk into a chain store and go have a guy ask you questions about things that you probably don't have an answer to you can go online to rockauto.com you can click in what type of car you have you can figure out the part that you need and they will have it in their very expansive library or pretty much any part that you can think of and best of all you're going to get the best price because at rockauto.com whether you're a mechanic or just a daily driver you will get the same price and it's just not like that most places they are a family-run business and they deserve your business because that's the only place that i choose to get my auto parts and i get them all delivered directly to my door and if you guys want to do that just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I also need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is betonline.ag. It's the only place that we use. It's the only place that we trust. And right now, guys, the football season is getting close to being over. So make sure you guys get in on the action now. If you guys want to add some more juice to your Sunday this weekend, the best place to do it is at betonline.ag. They're going to have a ton of great different Super Bowl prop bets. That's my favorite time to bet on football. Hands down, has to be Super Bowl Sunday. And they have so many prop bets already that I can't wait to bet with betonline.ag. And they're even going to give you some free money to do it. So when you guys go to betonline.ag, .ag, you just sign up for a free account and use the promo code locked on all caps one word. You can get a 50% welcome bonus. That's free money to bet on football at betonline.ag. And don't forget to use the promo code locked on to get that 50% welcome bonus. All right, guys, well, we're back here with our very special guest on today's show. We're going to be joined by Gilbert Manzano from the OC Register, the beat writer for the Chargers. And we're really excited to have him on. Gilbert, thanks for taking the time, man. We're excited to talk with you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been a while. I'm glad to jump on the show and uh, talk charges on a very chaotic day with uh, you know, Philip Rivers, Brandon Staley, and a lot going on. A lot going on. I mean, originally I wasn't even planning on talking about Philip Rivers, but here we are. Philip Rivers has retired after 17 seasons, and I saw that you put on Twitter that you know you got to cover him for a year and a half. So I was just kind of wondering what were your favorite moments covering Rivers in your short time doing it. Yeah, you know, part of me wish it was a little bit longer, but I, you know, I get it was kind of the back end of his career. Uh, but you know, you you hear all the stories about how you know well liked he is, how genuine he is, especially with, with the media and reporters. How you could ask him, you know, one question it turns out to be a ten minute answer. But maybe I'm exaggerating, but it feels like you're having a casual conversation with a buddy, and he's just going on and on about it. And that's what you want as a reporter. You want the you know, it's a little hard when you're when you're reporting. You gotta transcribe the quotes, but in the meantime, it's all gold conversational stuff that you love. So I think for me, you know, actually, not now that I think about it, I remember when I first joined the Chargers beat in 2018. Uh, my coworker Ryan Karchi, who now covers the the USC football team for uh, LA Times, 
you told me go up and introduce yourself to uh, fellow Berbers, and, and I kind of was thinking, why, you know, why do I need to do that? I'm sure he meets a lot of reporters every day. If I don't remember who I am, uh, you know, I went up to him and I shook his hand, and it kind of did, it kind of helped me out because a year later I, I got a uh, an interview with with Philip Rivers. It was kind of a one on one. You know, we we I think it was a final preseason game in Santa Clara. The Chargers against the 49ers. He didn't play in that game, obviously, being the week four preseason game, but. We spoke for about 30 minutes from the locker room to the tunnel to the team bus. So uh, just from having that handshake, I think for him, for Philip Rivers, I went a long way. He remembered where I was. I'm not sure he remembered my name, but he, he remembered my face. And to, for him to kind of be that open and gracious with his time, I think for me that's probably my best memory of uh, working with Philip Rivers for, for about a year and a half. That definitely sounds like Philip Rivers for sure. I mean, he's just always been that personable type of guy. I don't think there's ever going to be anyone who presents himself quite like Philip Rivers. But another thing that's kind of crazy is that the Chargers went straight from a future Hall of Famer in Philip Rivers to having the best rookie quarterback in the league the very next season. What stood out to you the most from Herbert's phenomenal rookie year? Yeah, it's kind of wild how how this franchise has gone from Drew Brees to Philip Rivers. You know, a short, brief stint with Tyrod Taylor and then Justin Herbert. Uh, so you <laughs> yeah. know, they, they one did game. pretty well when it comes to yeah, one game for Tyrod. You know, unfortunately, it didn't work out. Uh, but it's kind of crazy. I know this franchise doesn't have a Super Bowl title, uh, but when it comes to quarterbacks, they're they're, they're uh, well fortunate there. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think you asked me. I, I kind of you know dozed off a little bit, but I, I think you asked me what surprised me the most about Justin Herbert, and you know. I guess it's kind of the easy answer, but everything. I know this guy was talented in terms of skills, arm strength, mobility, size. You know, he had, he was a full package, but I, I think I got too caught up in the, the, the pre-draft uh, scouting. You know, everybody wants to be a, a draft expert when it comes around in March and April, and you start believing, you know, he, he, can't, he can't read a defense. He can't play against a blitz. He can't do well under pressure. You know, he doesn't have the mental game. And this, this guy was a 4.0 GPA student athlete in Oregon. Obviously, he was very smart, but they made it seem like he was too skittish, too shy to kind of maybe pick it up in the pro game. So maybe I bought that a little bit, and I, and I wanted to see, because you do see a lot of guys from college have all the talent, but they don't have it in terms of reading defenses and the mental game. And that really, you know, blew me away how fast this guy picked it up. And then you, you kind of start, you know, questioning, okay, there's a lot of hype. Am I moving too fast on how much I really like Justin Herbert? And, and it wasn't because he got better every week. And you want to see that in a quarterback. Uh, yeah, he struggled against the AFC East, uh, you know, when they got kind of complex with the defenses. But then he kind of finished, finished out the season with three game-winning drives consecutively, uh, 10 interceptions, which is kind of crazy for a rookie quarterback. So, you know, everything that – I felt like I was talking to reporters. I kept saying, I want to see this this week. I want to see that. I want to see this improvement. He did it every single week, so I could go on and on about Justin Herbert, but uh, it just felt like you know he came a long way. And I think I think I know people will knock Anthony Lynn for the Tyrod Taylor thing, but I don't think he was ready in, in August because it was a pretty short, brief uh, off season, you know, the pandemic and all that. So maybe he needed a month or, or two to kind of get his feet wet, and that's not really a long time. But for him, maybe he needed that kind of extra time. And by the time you know week two rolled around, he was ready, and he never looked back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think any of us could have expected this, but I do think a lot of people did get caught up in the pre-draft process of can he do all of these things? And I thought one of the articles I liked from you the most on the OC register was you just talking about how one of the biggest knocks on him is if he could be a leader and that also he was introverted. So I just wanted to know when you kind of saw that those things weren't really the case, how you saw him interacting with his teammates and you didn't really have to question his leadership anymore. Yeah, you know what? It was pretty simple. I just asked him. I said, hey, people are saying you're an introvert, you're shy, you're quiet, you're kind of reserved. 
well, you kind of agree with that assessment. He told me that's not true. If you, you ask any of my teammates or even my current teammates with the Chargers, they will tell you maybe he's a little shy at first, but after like maybe a, a day or two, he kind of comes out of the shell. He's a jokester. Uh, you know, I've talked to his roommates, uh, Gabe Neighbors, and uh, I've asked to his receivers, KJ Hill, and they all say he, he likes to joke around. And you kind of saw it, and maybe in the last month of the season, he kind of was outgoing with the victory brisket. Uh, you saw it in the video with Michael Basley where he kind of said, I'm going in and stuff like that, or even in that game against the Raiders where he said, I'm in. Uh, so, and you could see how well-liked he was with Dan Feeney and, and Sam Tevy, the offensive line. So just when I asked him, I said, hey, is this true? That kind of changed my whole story. And I was like, okay, I got to figure out what's going on here. Why is he being perceived as kind of this shy, quiet, non-alpha male? I don't know where he got that from because he talked to his dad, his former coaches, his teammates. They all say that's not true. This guy's a joke, so he likes to play around. But we're all different in our own way. And I think for him, he's not maybe a rah-rah guy. He's not a center of attention. Maybe he doesn't give you the you know the best quote. That, you know, for him, I hope in, in the coming years, he kind of does better with the news conferences because sometimes they're kind of say boring answers. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's such a great player that maybe that stuff doesn't matter. And you think about what Tom Brady does and Drew Brees do, they don't really give you a lot of juicy quotes, but because you, you kind of just, you know, they kind of just become used to that and you can, you're okay with that. But hopefully, like, hopefully for us, he gets better with that. But I think, uh, you know, everybody's different. And I think that for him, he just, maybe with the, maybe if he doesn't know who you are, you know, he's not going to be outgoing. He's not going to force it. And maybe that's a good thing for, for Herbert that he's not, fake he's not forcing it he wants to be genuine he wants to be his own way and i think uh i know anthony Lynn doesn't get a lot of credit for it i know pep hamilton and shane Sykes can get more credit for the development of justin herbert but one thing that stood out to me i think anthony lynn gets he should get a lot of credit for pushing out uh you know the leadership side of justin herbert maybe kind of speeding that process up a little bit uh and 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 i think justin herbert said it too he said hey this guy pushed me every day he let me be comfortable he made me kind of speak out and i think once he figured that part out the voice part the rest came easy, and, I, and it kind of went a long way when he got into the field and he could just play football. Speak out with his teammates, but definitely not in a press conference. I mean, his PR coach <laughs> definitely deserves some bonus checks coming next season as far as not he, saying he, he anything. He definitely has a PR coach, I feel like. Sorry to cut you off, but I think he does have somebody to coach him up on that because they're kind of the same answers every week, I feel like. Oh, it, it, is, it is so robotic. It, it, it's kind of funny. But, yeah, <laughs> hopefully he does come out of his shell a little bit more. But we'll get into Staley here in the next se- segment here. But were you surprised at all that the Chargers decided to move on from Anthony Lynn despite the them finishing with the four-game winning streak? A little bit because of the four-game winning streak. I thought that would be enough to buy him some time. I know he's very well-liked. He's very beloved in the organization, even to this day, even after they fired him. Uh, because they gave him a lot of credit for what he did from the move to San Diego to L.A. That was a big hurdle, obstacles to kind of, you know, you know, you know, calm the waters down in that area. And he did all that. He got into the playoffs pretty quick in 2018. So I thought maybe, you know, two good years, two bad years. Why not give him a fifth year and kind of, you know, see what happens. But you know how it is nowadays in the business. You want to get out a year early than a year too late. So I think at the end of the day, they probably saw how bad it was between maybe 2019 to week 13 of the Patriots game. You can't forget that. You can't overlook that. So I think for the Chargers, credit to them, they looked they look at the whole body of work and they, they realized, okay, it's time to get out sooner rather than later. Well, and I don't think you normally see a coach who had a winning record really get fired like that, even coming off of a bad season. But I do think they knew it was a very pivotal time in their franchise and they had to kind of find the right guy for Justin Herbert and the rest of this team going forward. But even Tom Telesco said, like, 
I still think the move was the right move in 2017. And to his credit, I never believed he lost that locker room. I always felt that those guys respected him and he was a player's coach. And it was just the on-field stuff as far as the time management, clock management, and all those things that ended up being you know, what doomed him eventually. But I do want to talk to you about Brandon Staley, the Chargers' new head coach. You kind of talked about him a little bit even right before it happened about him potentially being on the Chargers' radar. So we're going to get into that with Gilbert Manzano from the OC Register and much more coming up right after this. All right, guys, back here with Gilbert Manzano from the OC Register who covers the Chargers. If you guys don't follow him already on Twitter, which I'm sure most of you do, but if you don't, he's at GManzano24 on Twitter for all of the latest Chargers content. He's one of the best follows on Chargers Twitter. But, of course, you know, we had to make you guys wait a little bit. This is where we start talking about the good stuff and start talking about Chargers new head coach, Brandon Staley. So, this was something that kind of came off the wall. I mean, most people thought the Chargers were going to go offensive-minded with their head coach. They decided to make Brandon Staley their head coach after only one year of defensive coordinator experience. So before we get into you know what he's going to do with the team, what was just your initial reaction when you saw the news? Uh, well, Brandon Staley, I think when it came out on Sunday night, I was a little surprised, and I'm kind of kicking myself that I was that surprised because you know, maybe that leading up to that week, I started buying into the hype of, of Brandon Staley. You know, once they once his defense kind of you know dismantled Russell Wilson and the Seahawks in the wild card playoff game, I started doing research on Brandon. I'm like, okay, I really like this guy. And then towards the final week of the of the second week of the search, it became Brian Dable, and and, and just for me, Brian Dable only had two interviews with the Jets, with the Chargers. So it kind of told me, you know, once Robert Sala went to the Jets, I think you know they were all in on Brian Dable, and then. You see the report from ESPN saying that he's a favorite to get the job. And then the, the, the playoff game against the Ravens came around, and we're all watching the game closely, thinking he's going to be the new head coach of the Chargers. And then Sunday rolled around, and it kind of was a curveball, and it became Brandon Staley. But, no, you know, I, I really like the hire. You know, I think if you look at the eight names, uh, I, I, kept, I couldn't figure out who was the right guy because even with Brian Dable, there were some flaws there because, He's been an OC before, and it didn't work out. So you're kind of wondering, is it a one-year wonder? And then you start looking at the resume. Okay, he's worked with Bill Belichick. He's worked with Nick David. Maybe he is ready for this job. Uh, but every every guy kind of had you know a downside. With Brandon Staley, it was more of a you know inexperience. He was coaching at John Kerry University four years ago. This guy ready? He's never been a head coach. And we saw what happened with Anthony Lynn when, when it got too chaotic. And to to run a kind of a, and when it came to game management, he struggled. And do you want to go through that route again with a new younger guy? Uh, but when when you see the resume and, and the recommendations he has from Sean McVay, Big Fangio, the star players who respect him, Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, Ron Miller, uh, anybody you talk to, they really like this guy and they really you know commend his work ethic how ahead of the curve he is. He's not, he's not a guy who follows a trend. He wants to beat the trend and stay on top of it. He's, he's a forward thinker. He's an innovator. So I think when it came to that creativity, stuff like that, and credit to the Chargers, and they didn't just settle for the popular name in Brian Dable or somebody who they're familiar with, with Tom Silesco and Brian Dable or, or Arthur Smith or Joe Brady or just kind of keeping it off into mind. They wanted a guy to be a leader for the franchise you know, in all three phases. So I think you know, I did like for the Chargers that they ha- they, they kept an open mind, like Tom Silesco said in the press conference. So, you know, we'll we'll find out more on Thursday during when he introduces Brandon Staley. But I'm very curious to find out what happened in that interview because there was eight candidates, well, really well qualified candidates, and for some reason Brandon Staley stood out. So I want to know what happened. 
that he kind of beat all the, the seven other guys. Yeah, and I mean, I think everyone around the Chargers was expecting them to bring in an offensive-minded head coach because of Justin Herbert, which is understandable. But why do you think that it wasn't a concern for the Chargers to bring in a defensive-minded head coach in, in spite of having a rookie quarterback in Justin Herbert? Yeah, I think we'll find out more on Thursday, but you would think that Brandon Staley must have had a really great plan, a plan A, a plan B or C for Justin Herbert, because again, he was competing with Brian Dable, Eric Bieniemy, Joe Brady, and even Jason Garrett, all these offensive coordinators, you know, who've done very well in, re- in recent memory. And again, the trend is that you hire an offensive coordinator for your young quarterback. And for the Chargers, they went away from that. And, and I, I, think, I think I tweeted about this a couple of days ago. I think we all overlooked how much Tom Telesco invested on the defense. In 2018, he drafted Derwin James, uh, China Wusu, one and two. 2019, Jerry Tillery, Nazir Ali, one and two. Last year, Kenneth Murray in the first round. So he's put a lot of draft capital on the defense, and they haven't done too much. You know, besides Joey Bosa and Derwin James' 28 rookie year, that defense has disappointed. It's great on paper. They can't stay healthy. They can't close games in the, in the fourth quarter. Maybe it's Gus Bradley's scheme. We'll find out with Brandon Staley. But it's been under, it's underperformed. They can't develop guys like Nas and Jerry Tillery. And even guys like Justin Jones are kind of mixed. You know, they're not consistent. So I think maybe Tom Telesco saw all the investments that he had in the defense. And he's probably thinking, hey, uh, my job is still secured here. Why should we start from scratch? I built something here with a foundation. Now it's time to get my investment. My, 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 my bargain for my investment, and maybe Brandon Staley's a guy to kind of unlock those, that potential. And if you get a good defense, the, the type that the Rams had this year with Justin Herbert in his second year, you know, th- that, that could really help him out in complimentary football and having those two phases. Now, you still got to fix special teams because we, we all know how yeah. big of an issue that was. But at least Absolutely. defense and offense, you could be set right there. And I know people are overlooking the offense, but you know, that, that could be pretty nice if you're putting on points with Justin Herbert and you have a shutdown defense. Yeah, absolutely. And we all know that, you know, Staley is a former quarterback. And some of the guys that he's been targeting to bring in are all former quarterbacks as well on the offensive and defensive side. But so far, the only coach that we've seen really have strong reports that he's coming in, and it's pretty much official, is Frank Smith, the tight ends coach from the Raiders. But we did recently see the report that the Rams blocked their offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, from being interviewed for the Chargers for their offensive coordinator job. Now there's some other rumors about Jay Rogers, but what have you made so far just about him trying to interview Kevin O'Connell as far as what he's going to try to do on the offensive side? I think he's trying to get his own blueprint, his his own coaching staff. I know there was talk about, well, maybe the Chargers want Shane Steichen and Pep Hamilton to kind of give uh, Herbert the same uh, you know, coaching stuff because he went through a bunch of changes in Oregon and sometimes a little risky disrupting the rhythm that he had, especially a young quarterback. Uh, but it seems to me that Brandon Staley wants to form his own coaching staff, his own identity, and I think that's probably the best approach. When, when I know we saw with Anthony and Lynn and Ken Wizenhunt, maybe it worked for a year or two, and, and you could tell that they were kind of clashing. That's why you know Lynn made the move to fire him there. But you know why not start with your own vision, your idea, start fresh, and it seems like that's what he's doing. Uh, and, 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 you know, I'm still curious to see what happens with offensive coordinator because you mentioned Kevin O'Connell got blocked there. So but he was probably the guy. Now, what's your plan B? What do you do there? Who do you find? Uh, so I'm curious to see that. And I'm kind of surprised it hasn't happened yet because the press conference tomorrow on Thursday. Uh, but maybe you'll find out tomorrow. We'll see about that. But, you know, I do like that he wants to have his own approach. And I know when maybe sometimes 
when you you get promoted and you you're 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 a new coach or head coach you start overthinking things and and, and you maybe you're, you're you're start doubting yourself and maybe and i think we're, we're brandon staley he's like no i got a formula here i'm gonna do my own vision let's try it out that's this is a dream i've been wanting to do why not do it his, his way uh, and that's kind of been the, the intriguing part for me so far now that the Chargers have found their head coach, uh, what do you think the number one goal is to improve this roster in 2021? <laughs> it's got to be the easy answer, offensive line. Uh, you you kind of forget how bad it was a year ago, and it's been bad for the last couple of years, but because there was a mobile quarterback who could create on the run, on the scramble, and playmaking ability, you didn't see it as much because, you know, Justin Herbert's so good. He, there's times where I, I think I, what was that? I forget maybe it was week 16 or the last game of the season where, he kind of made something out of nothing. He threw a touch on Donald Parham. He kind of moved up in the pocket. He made it work. Uh, but those are the plays you saw year in, I mean, week, weekly, the whole year for Justin Herbert. He knows how to create. But you want to make it easier for your young quarterback. You know, I, I don't want to, you know, bring negativity. But you saw what happened to Joe Burrow. You know, he got he got hurt because the offensive line couldn't protect. Maybe he, he's not as mobile as Justin Herbert. Uh, but, you know, eventually that catches up to you. You saw what happened to Sean Watson his rookie year. That offensive line was pretty terrible. You saw Carson Wentz this year. I just saw he got sacked 64 times pretty much this year. So you got to fix the offensive line or it can really hurt uh, your young quarterback there. So I'm curious to see what happens because the funny thing, the, maybe the best player on the offensive line was Sam Tevy, and going into the year, we're kind of expecting him to be the worst. Uh, it did not work out that way because Trey Turner and Brian Belaga were rarely on the field. They got, they got hurt a lot. Uh, Dan Finney started well, but he kind of tapered off. And before his slam, I couldn't get a read on him. I, I couldn't tell if he was, you know, bad or good. It was kind of just in the middle. But he was healthy, and maybe you kind of took that as a victory there. But those three guys, Tevi, Forrest, and uh, Finney, they're going to be free agents. And you maybe you hope for Turner Blah to be healthy this year, but you got to address it. Uh, it's time to spend draft capital on that. I know, like I mentioned, they spent their draft capital on the defense. The first, I know they got Justin Herbert a year ago. Uh, but most of the draft picks the last three years have been on the defensive side. Now, use your, maybe your first-round pick. I'm not saying to reach. Uh, still go best player available. But if there's one good offensive lineman at 13, you take them. Maybe take one another, another one again in the second round. But you can't neglect that area. And I think now, maybe for once, Tom Salesco is actually acknowledging that. Well, and it's crazy to think that even with that offensive line, how close they were to winning so many games. So it is crazy to think that just, you know, improving that one position group could go such a long way with this team. But it obviously starts with health. And I think that that's the one thing the Chargers will have to wish the most for going into 2021. And we also talked about a couple of days ago, like, Look at the playoff teams, and yes, they have a lot of good quarterbacks. They also are a lot of really good offensive lines in the playoffs, so I do think that has been an underlooked thing by Tom Telesco and this front office, and hopefully it changes going into next season. But, Gilbert, thanks again for your time, man. We really appreciate you coming on the show and kind of enlightening us on all the reasons we should be excited about Brandon Staley. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. I'm looking forward to the next one. All right, well, a special thank you to Gilbert Manzano. We really appreciated him coming on the show, and I'm sure – We'll have him back on during this offseason. But if you guys don't already, make sure to go follow him on Twitter at gmanzano24. He's one of the best Chargers followers out there. But that is going to do it for us for today's show. Tomorrow we'll be back with you. We will hear Brandon Staley's first ever press conference as the head coach of the Chargers. So we'll be here to break that down, maybe get a little bit more into how he is filling out that staff. 
But until then, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page at LockedOnChargers, as well as subscribing to us, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Wherever you get your podcast from, you can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there and make sure to rate and review. We would really appreciate it. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow for the Friday show. If you want to get your voicemails in, the number is 323-524-7924. And we try to get every Chargers voicemail on the show. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.